digging instruments. Vidido broke to pieces. Setu bridges. Prakara protective walls. Gokulan city gates. Ajivyan the source of livelihood. Chichidu cut down. Vikshan trees. Kechit sun. Parashupanayaha taking axes in hand. Radhan burn down. Sharanani the dwellings. AK other demons. Rajanam of the citizens. Jalita blazing. Ulmuke with firebrands. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Translation Some of the demons took digging instruments and broke down the bridges, the protective walls, and the gates, Gopuras of the cities. Some took axes and began cutting the important trees that produced mango, jackfruit, and other sources of food. Some of the demons took firebrands and set fire to the residential quarters of the citizens. Purport. The cutting of trees is generally prohibited. In particular, trees that produce nice fruit for the maintenance of human society should not be cut. In different countries, there are different types of fruit trees. In India, the mango and jackfruit trees are prominent. And in other places, there are mango trees, jackfruit trees, coconut trees and berry trees. Any tree that produces nice fruit for the maintenance of the people should not be cut at all. This is a Shastrik injunction. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Takshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Yudhenama Shri Chaitanya Manodhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Bhupa Katamayam Tadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vajalam Pangum Lamgayate Dirim Yathripata Maham Vande Shri Guru Dinatarinam Vanchakalpata Rubhyascha Kripa Sindhurya Evacha Patitanam Pavanedhyo Vaishnavedhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda so uh, we are seeing that uh, you know this seventh canto has started which is very dear to the devotees. All the entire Bhagavatam is dear to the devotees, but the seventh canto has the pastime of Narsimha Dev and Prahlad Maharaj. So it's especially dear to devotees because we get a glimpse into the life of a pure devotee of the Lord. And Prahlad Maharaj is often quoted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu read his pastimes many times, and he's often quoted by Srila Prabhupada because of the teachings that he gave to not only his demon friends but also to his demoniac father. So it has just started. We are only on the second chapter of the seventh canto, and it has uh, the whole pastime has started unfolding in the first chapter. And this is a conversation that is actually happening between Vidhishthir Maharaj and Narad Muni. 
So the Rajasiya sacrifice was just getting over, and Bhishma Maharaj saw the wonderful scene where uh, Krishna actually beheaded Shishupal. All of us have heard that pastime. Shishupal committed this hundred, uh, you know, he said hundred uh, hundred times bad words against Krishna, and Krishna had given his mother a promise. that the moment he says for the 100 times some bad words i will tolerate the 99 times but after that i will actually have to give him so then krishna releases the sudarshan chakra but he cuts his head off in such a way that not even a drop of blood spills in the sacrifice and this was to maintain the sanctity of the sacrifice and the more you know uh, interesting or intriguing part of that pastime was not that the blood didn't spill because the lord is capable of doing such um, activities but the more um, interesting fact for all the devotees and everybody who was present there was that shishupal his soul merged into the lord, uh, body of the lord it it went into the sky momentarily and then it went and merged into the body so yudhishthir maharaj especially was very astonished when he saw this happening because he had himself seen how the two brothers shishupal and dantavatra were very um, demoniac towards the lord they were very uh, enemical enemical towards the lord and they were always talking bad about the lord so he knew how much they hated the lord he knew that they were absolutely not having any devotional inclination but even then he saw shishupal getting sadhuji mukti and this is something that really astonished him about the lord so he actually asked narad muni there were many sages and many other pandavas and everybody was present and he asked narad muni about this fact he says how is it that you know such a great demon such a great uh, revolter of the uh, devotional service and somebody who was so much in a, an enemy to you how how does the how is the lord so merciful to him that he gave him sadhuji mukti and then narad muni starts explaining everything about the lord and actually that chapter is entitled the supreme lord is equal to all living entities so we see that narad muni explains to yudhishthir maharaj in that particular uh, chapter that how you know the famous verses also there how you know the gopis are always absorbed in thoughts of the lord through their blast how kamsa was always absorbed in the lord thoughts of the lord through his uh, enmity so he said that sometimes absorption in the lord is more of a person who has enmity feelings towards the lord rather than someone who has devotion now you know again speaking of myself we are all devotees but how much are we especially me absorbed in thoughts of the lord but you see kamsa we see shishupal they were always absorbed in thoughts of the lord especially narad muni quotes kamsa that he was always so absorbed in thoughts of the lord that he could see he would see krishna everywhere dinamandu prabhu was mentioning in one of his classes that even if his uh, you know somebody his uh, servant was bringing a like nice shining glass of water with a water jug and it was reflecting light and kamsa suddenly said oh krishna is coming guards kill him kill him or even when his wives they used to dress up nicely and come and their jewels would twinkle and all in the sunlight he would think oh krishna has come all dressed up to kill me so you see every time he was absorbed in krishna but even then the lord has given them sahitya mukti he has actually allowed them to merge into his existence and this is what sarvat astonished uh, yudhishthir maharaj and narad muni stresses the fact that actually the supreme lord is equal to everybody he does not discriminate between demons and devotees it is just that the devotees are very inclined towards him they always want the lord in their lives they do not want anything else and therefore we might feel that the lord is more favorable but he is actually equally disposed to both the demoniac and the demons and we see that 
uh, Hiranyakashipu is actually acknowledging that fact in this particular chapter. Uh, in verses 7 and 8, Hiranyakashipu is telling all the demons because Hiranyaksha has got killed and Hiranyakashipu is extremely upset that his brother has been killed by Vishnu. But he feels that this is all Chadi, you know, we say in Hindi Chadi Mara. He feels that this is all being instigated by the demigods. Because obviously he had all the demons hate the demigods. That is how they are demons and the demigods are demigods. Because they don't get along. So he feels that he had a lot of enmity towards the demigods. But he didn't have any enmity towards Vishnu especially. But he feels that because of instigation of the demigods, Vishnu has gone and killed his brother Hiranyaksha who was a very great person according to Hiranyakashipu. And how can he kill my dear brother and all that. So he was extremely upset and angry with the Lord. So he calls all his demon associates and he is giving them instructions. But before he starts giving them instructions what to do, he is indirectly praising the Lord. So in verses 7 and 8 he is actually saying, he says the Supreme Personality of Godhead has given up his natural tendency of equality towards demons and demigods. Even in the previous verse, in verse 6 also he acknowledges that yes, the Lord is equal to everybody, but just because these demigods have instigated him, they have worshipped him a lot, that this time uh, Vishnu has sided with the demigods and on their behest, he has gone and killed my brother, who was innocent according to Hiranyakashipu. So we see even Hiranyakashipu is acknowledging that fact, but now because of his anger, he is blaming the Lord that, Oh Lord, you have given up this equality that you have between the demons and the demigods and now you have started fighting with the demigods. And it is interesting that in the verse 9, further in this chapter, in verse 9, Hiranyakashipu speaks of a great philosophical point. So we were hearing Nithai Sevini Mataji and previous speakers speak about this fact that if you take the word Hiranyakashipu out of all the conversations that are happening and the verses that we hear, we would actually think we are reading the Bhagavad Gita. Because he speaks such with you know, he speaks the uh, philosophy so eloquently. So beautifully he is narrating actually the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. So we see here also in verse 9 he actually tells, he says that, you know, especially this is a struggle that we have when we preach, like when we do Bhakti Ruksha program, especially to Indian audiences who come steeped with the background of demigod worship. We see in India many people <coughs> worship demigods for different different boons. People are worshippers of Ganpati, people are worshippers of Lord Shiva, people are worshippers of Saraswati, people are worshippers of Kartikeya or Murugan, like that or Ayyappan. So like that so many different demigods are worshipped by Indians. And it is very difficult to preach to them that the Supreme Personality of Godhead, like when you please the Lord and you worship Him, everybody is satisfied, including the demigods. You don't need to separately worship anybody. Just focus, one point of focus on the Supreme Personality of Godhead is enough. It's so hard to preach to them. But Hiranyakashipu is actually espousing that philosophy in this particular chapter. He is saying that Vishnu is supreme, Lord Vishnu is supreme and if we walk, you know, cut off Vishnu, he is the root of the tree, then the demigods who are the branches and the twigs will automatically dry up. That is what Hiranyakashipu is saying in verse 9. So it is so much in line with the verse which we see in Canto 4 of Srimad Bhagavatam. Yatha Taro Mula Nishchanena. Kripyanti Yatskanda Bhujo Pashaka. Prano Paharacha Yatyendriyanam. Tathaiva Surharam Achyutetya. So that is the verse which is there in Bhagavatam which says that when one worships the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it is like watering the roots of the tree. 
So when we want to nourish a tree, we don't go and walk here, put water on the leaf, we don't go and separately put water on the flower, on the fruit, on the trunk, on the different branches. We don't do that. We always water the root of the tree and we know the nourishment is going to go to all these different parts of the tree. So that famous verse in Canto 4 is actually describing how one need not worship anybody separately and just by worshipping the Supreme Lord, you have included all worship. And the same philosophy even Kashipur is saying. So he was such a great scholar. He knew the Vedic injunctions. He knew the Shastras. He is saying that as soon as he stopped, like you know, I kill Vishnu, we will have cut off the root of the tree. Automatically all these demigods will dry up. Automatically the different parts of the tree will, uh, you know, wither and that tree will be uprooted and it will be gone. So after, you know, espousing such great philosophy, but because of blinded by the anger, of you know his brother getting killed, he is completely not following the philosophy that he himself is teaching. He is giving instructions to his demon followers that go and create havoc in the human society. So uh, he tells them that go and you know kill the Brahmin, Varnashram Dharma, get rid of the Varnashram Dharma, start killing the Brahmins, stop the sacrifices that are happening. Because once you know those two uh, uh, parts of Vedic culture are gone, there will be no one who will then instruct the Kshatriyas. So that way we will see Kshatriyas will stop, you know, giving charity, they will stop actually sponsoring all these yagyas and we will slowly, slowly see the whole fabric of human society dry up. So Hiranyakashivu attacks the Varnashram Dharma, he is asking them to attack different, different important aspects of human civilization. And we see the demons have now started implementing the instructions of Hiranyakashivu. So in today's words, we see that they have taken up digging instruments and they are actually destroying bridges, opurams, the gates of the city. They are uh, destroying residential houses by uh, putting fire, like uh, lighting up and you know, their houses are burning in blazing fires. And they are also cutting down important trees. Now when I was reading all this, I felt that this is so similar to terrorist activities. Like nowadays what we see terrorism in the world, we see this is exactly what terrorists do. They actually attack the core of human existence. They actually try to attack places which will have the highest impact on civilization. And we saw such examples not in the very recent past. Uh, uh, we saw examples of the 9-11 attack in America. They attacked the core, the hub of the American society. America was proud of its twin towers and they brought them down. They also attacked in Mumbai, like few years ago there was attack on the Taj, which is also like a great prestigious emblem of your Mumbai. They attacked the Bombay Stock Exchange and Delhi we have seen so many attacks happening in you know, very important government places. So we see terrorists also do the same thing. They try to attack the whole fabric of human civilization which will bring the whole human civilization crumbling down to its knees. That's what we see has, uh, has happened when these terrorists attack and that's what we have seen these demons doing. And we will see in the next verse that because of all these things that the demoniac people are doing, the demigods actually, the sacrifices will stop, the demigods will stop getting their shares. Because demigods actually thrive, their nourishment is through all these sacrifices that are done by human beings and the you know, offerings or oblations that are offered in the fire. The demigods get nourishment actually out of that. I'm sure in Kaliyuga the demigods don't expect that because in Kaliyuga nobody does proper sacrifices. They must be having other sources of nourishment. But in the previous ages their nourishment was all these oblations which were given in the fire in their name. And these are gone now. 
So then we will actually start working here and there, and then we will see the whole pastime uh, unfolding of how then Prahlad Maharaj will be born. The demigods attack Kaya. So we will see the whole pastime unfolding in the future. But we see in today's verse that. Uh, the, the demons are actually breaking down, importing things and they are cutting down all the trees and all that. Now, Srila Prabhupada in the purport, like in the uh, translation, is talking about bridges, gopurams, setting fire to residential quarters and all that. But Prabhupada in the purport is talking just about the trees that the demons are cutting down. So, Srila Prabhupada has so much compassion for the trees, especially for trees which are, he had compassion for all trees but especially for trees which are fruits, flowers and vegetables bearing. He says those trees especially should not be cut down. In the last line of the purport, he says this is Shastrik injunction that these trees should never be cut down. In fact, during one of the morning walks in 1973 in Los Angeles, Srila Prabhupada was speaking to his disciple Swarup Damodar. And that time Swarup Damodar asked Srila Prabhupada, he says that just as there are different grades in, human, in different species of life, like we see Krishna describing in the Bhagavad Gita, there are so many species of trees, so many species of humans as well, different species in aquatics, you know, different species in animals, and every species has a certain type of evolvement or evolution. So he is asking, Sarudamadar is asking Srila Prabhupada. He says that in trees also there are different grades, Srila Prabhupada, and Prabhupada says, yes, the trees that bear very nice flowers with nice fragrance. Trees that give like lot of things for utilization of the human society, like for example the sap of the trees used for something, or trees that bear very nice fruits and flowers, these trees are actually pious trees. And therefore they should be extra care should be given to these trees. So what to speak of ordinary trees? We should definitely not cut down um, these pious trees because obviously Jeevo Jeevasya Jeevanam, we know Mahanarad Muni explains in the Bhagavatam that one living entity survives on another living entity. And for human beings, the uh, least karma that we can get is by surviving on fruits and vegetables. And obviously, we don't get karma when we offer them to the Lord. So, for devotees, it is very important that we are taking from the trees, but then we offer whatever we are taking from the trees, trees to the Lord. So, flowers we offer to the Lord, fruits we offer to the Lord, and then we take them as prashadam. So, that way the trees are getting benefit and we are not getting the sin of you know, taking some, some of the trees or cutting down, like spinach and all, we actually uproot it. So it's not that we are just taking a fruit. So we don't get the sin of actually cutting down of all these um, living entities. So Prabhupada says, these are pious trees and we have to be extra careful when we are dealing with these pious trees. So we see that uh, Prabhupada was, um, he had great compassion. You know, he was, he was almost like he was Mahavadanyaya. He was, he had great compassion. He came for the deliverance. In fact, in Melbourne only once when he was going in the car and he saw so many people. It was, I think, a busy Monday morning or something like that and many people were waiting at the traffic light to cross. And that time Prabhupada had tears in his eyes when he saw all these people waiting at the traffic light to cross and to go into their offices. Prabhupada says that Krishna is waiting with open arms to welcome all his children back to the spiritual world where they don't have to work so hard where they don't have to work like donkeys in this material world, suffering, uh, having material miseries, they don't have to go through all this. But still people are not ready to turn to him. When he saw, when he saw all these people who were going to go for a long day of work at offices. So, so much compassion for human beings, but he also has so much compassion for all creatures. 
In fact, there are many nice examples in the Lilamrita we see, like Palisand Prabhupada was in Bhaktivedanta Manor in London. And obviously the manor has beautiful grounds, beautiful gardens. So Prabhupada, you know, the devotees actually, they were, they were going for a walk somewhere or they were going you know, to the car or something. And the devotees just walked across the grass and went, went ahead. But Prabhupada actually took a whole roundabout turn. So he only walked on the pathways that were created. He was very careful not to even walk on grass unnecessarily when there were pathways available. Obviously, if there's nothing else available, we do have to walk on the grass. But when there is some alternate route available, Prabhupada actually took that route. Because he did not want to unnecessarily trample on grass and unnecessarily cause pain or cause harm to that living entity. So, so much compassion even for grass and um, even for an ant. So, once Prabhupada, I think there was some rasgulla or some street kept on the stable. And Prabhupada saw that there were some ants over there and he actually rang the bell and called, called his servant. And Prabhupada said that, see, if you leave streets lying unattended like this, ants are going to come and many of them will then die. Like falling in the rasgulla syrup or something like that, they will die. So, please always ensure that you are covering the streets properly and keeping. And uh, whenever you are, like, you know, that man said, okay, I'll get rid of the ants. He said, yeah, do it very carefully, otherwise the ants will die. So, so much compassion even for ants who were there on his table, when he saw them on his table. In fact, once there were some devotees um, in one of the temples and they were complaining to Srila Prabhupada. They said that Prabhupada, in the kitchen we are seeing there are lots of rats which have come. So, can we please kill them? Do we have your permission? And Prabhupada said, yes, yes, you can kill, but you should kill yourselves, not the rats. <laughs> because you did not maintain cleanliness, that is why these rats have come. And we should never kill any living entity, so why do you want to kill these rats? You keep, keep the kitchen very clean, ensure that there is no food crumbs lying around here and there, ensure every night everything is pick and span, and you will see that these rats will not be there anymore. They will go somewhere else where they find a source of food. So you should be killed, but do not kill these rats. So Prabhupada was so much against killing of living entities. In fact, he said that uh, even trees experience the pain. Again, in the morning walk, uh, one of the disciples was asking. And Prabhupada said, yes, trees can also hear, trees can also see, and they can also experience pain. And we see that great example in the two trees, you know, which Narad Muni delivered of, you know, Manitiva and Nalakuvera, who were first to stand as trees. They were seeing everything, they were witnessing the pastimes, they were hearing the pastimes of the Lord. So Prabhupada said, yes, trees experience pain and therefore we have to be so careful that we are not unnecessarily harming all these trees. In fact, in Shikshashtakam, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually tells us, you know, the famous third verse of Shikshashtakam, Trinadati Sunichena Tarodiva Sahishnuna, Amanina Manadina Kirtanya Sadahari. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talks about the quality of tolerance, which is so important for devotees, the quality of tolerance. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu takes the example of trees. He says one should be as humble as a blade of grass and one should be more tolerant than a tree, devoid of all sense of false prestige. And only in that state of mind one can chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra continuously. So what an elevated position Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving to these trees. Because the trees are always tolerating, you know, any types of weather, they are tolerating, but yet they are always serving mankind. They are giving shade, they are giving fruits, they are giving flowers, they are giving um, necessary um, uh, sacks, you know, they are giving necessary woods to even burn. So like that they are always serving mankind and therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave them that uh, position of comparing when you want tolerance, 
be hemotolerant energy. So in several occasions, we see when you know there were temples being built, Srila Prabhupada showed his great compassion towards trees. Now there is a famous example um, of the Juhu temple. Most of us have read about the whole struggle which Srila Prabhupada had to go through to build the Juhu temple. Not only there was a struggle to acquire the land, the whole pastime and Giriraj Maharaj has now written a beautiful book called Your Temple where he describes the whole Juhu struggle. But not only for them, not only there was a struggle to get the land in the first place, then there was a struggle to actually get permissions for building. And once they got overcame that struggle of getting permissions to build, then there was actually the actual struggle of constructing the temple. So, and then installing the deity. So, so many struggles all the Juhu devotees and Prabhupada had to go through to get Radha Ras Bihari installed on the altar and start their worship. So, and, you know, and there was, you know, whenever even devotees would apply for permission, in, in India it is called the municipality in Mumbai, like we have the council here. So, they had to apply to the council for permission. And the council would sometimes give permission, but they would put lots of conditions when they would, would give permission. So in one such situation when they had applied for uh, uh, some permission to build uh, inside the temple, the council actually gave, put a condition that in the Juhu land you should have a road, an internal access road, which should be uh, of a certain width according to the length of the road. So this is a condition they had put. Now devotees saw that exactly where they had to build that road of that certain width, there were some palm trees over there. Because Juhu uh, temple is very close to the beach, so there were palm trees over there. And devotees like didn't know what to do because they had to build that particular road. So Srila Prabhupada had seen the Juhu land obviously when it had been bought. And then after a few months he again visited the temple. And that time Srila Prabhupada, the first concern he said, he was very concerned because he saw, saw that one or two of the palm trees had been cut down. So he immediately called the devotees and he said that why have you cut down these trees? It is not, it is against the Shastras, we should not harm any living entity and we have cut down such fully grown big trees and immediately the devotees thought, oh we have a ready-made answer, Prabhupada is for the service of Krishna. So they thought they will, you know, use that trump card and say, Prabhupada, it was because, you know, this condition had been laid down by the council and we were building the text for building the temple because we need an internal access road. And Shiva Prabhupada said, no, you have to put your foot down, you have to go back to the council and you have to tell them that it is against our religion to cut down trees, so we cannot cut trees over here. So obviously the devotees went back to the council, but the council officers were arguing with the devotees. They were not giving them permission to like move the road somewhere else or something like that and not cut down the trees. Then again, you know, Srila Prabhupada had gone on an international tour and after a few months he again came back to Juhu. And the first thing which he did, he called the devotees and he said, look at his concern for the trees. He said that I was in Tehran for some time and over there I saw that, you know, they keep actually trees in the middle of the road. So they're like, in Melbourne we see that a lot. There are trees in the middle of the road and the road is on the side. You have almost a nature strip in the middle as well. So he said, I saw in Tehran there are trees in the middle of the road and the road is taken around the trees, but they do not cut down those trees. So the same thing you have to do over here, you go and again fight back with the council, put your foot down and say we are not going to cut the tree. So now the devotees had, you know, they were feeling more empowered. They had these things to quote that OC in Tehran also such things are done. So they went back to the council and they said we are not going to cut the tree, it is against our religion. So please give us permission to build around it. And ultimately after a little bit of a struggle, the council officers uh, complied and they gave the permission. And even today, if we go to the Juhu temple, we can see 
see those trees which Prabhupada saved, those palm trees. They are still standing there with asphalt around them. So the devotees actually just built like a little sort of a sitting place around the tree and they built the road around that. So this was the compassion Srila Prabhupada had for trees and we can see that in today's words, that compassion coming out of Prabhupada's heart. In fact, in London, Prabhupada had stayed with the beaches, like the devotees had just bought, um, um, uh, George Harrison had just donated the manor land, like this was before that, when the devotees had done Shyamsandra Prabhu, Gurudas Prabhu, Prabhupada had sent all of them to London. So before all, they had bought the temple and they had start building the temple. Sri Prabhupada used to stay with, uh, in the Beatles' house for some months. And that time when Prabhupada stayed there, they were, it was their last day because I think that Prabhupada's quarters were ready in the temple. So Prabhupada was going to stay in his quarters. And devotees were looking for Prabhupada. He came down with them to go into the car and suddenly he had disappeared. So the devotees looked here and there for Prabhupada and they actually saw Prabhupada in the garden. And Prabhupada was touching all the trees. He was going around the garden, he was touching all the trees and he was thanking the trees. Because Prabhupada used to go there around the gardens for morning walk and Prabhupada wanted to go and express his gratitude to the trees. So he was going and thanking all the trees and he was telling the devotees that because we have taken service from them, we have to express our gratitude. They gave us nice shade, they are beautifying this garden, they gave us nice breeze. So, and they were doing good fragrance, good flowers and all that. So, obviously, I have to express my thanks. So, this was, you know, the final details which Prabhupada used to take care of when he was alive on this planet. So, compassionate towards trees and so much having the quality of gratitude to everybody, even to trees. Prabhupada had that quality. So, we see that, you know, you know speaking of trees and Prabhupada and his association and care for trees. In fact, our whole movement started with the tree. Now we had Dinabandhu Prabhu here a few days ago and he was actually uh, um, trying to solicit donations for Prabhupada's, you know, to make, build Prabhupada memorial where Prabhupada was born. And then they showed us a video and in that video we see that Prabhupada was actually born under a jackfruit tree. And same jackfruit tree is mentioned in today's purport. That mango trees, jackfruit trees, all this good fruit bearing trees should never be cut. So our whole movement started with Prabhupada's birth under a jackfruit tree, which they are now trying to get some more land because Prabhupada gave instructions that please build a memorial where my birthplace is there. So they are trying to get some, some more land and you know Dinabandhu Prabhu and uh, the other Prabhu was travelling with him, they were actually seeking donations so that they can build that memorial for Prabhupada. So the, our whole movement started there with Prabhupada's birth under a jackfruit tree and even when Prabhupada went to uh, the United States, even in New York, it is said that our movement, our movement actually started under that tree in Tonkin Square Park. So Prabhupada had established a storefront on 26 2nd Avenue, but it was said in the Nilamrita also, also it is mentioned that Prabhupada led the first Harina. There they all went in a procession and for two hours Prabhupada sat under that, it was an elm tree in Tonkin Square Park. Prabhupada sat under that tree and Prabhupada did Kirtan for two hours continuously and that's when Alan Ginsberg and so many other devotees, Kirtan, Ananda Swami, everybody joined. They all became devotees just during that Kirtan of Srila Prabhupada, which Prabhupada did for two hours. It is described also, Prabhupada's emotions are described that he was actually so very, um, uh, in Hindi say Hakash, he had almost become very despondent because he wanted the movement to kick off, but there were so many struggles coming, nobody was coming forward to take up the Krishna consciousness movement. And Prabhupada actually was internally praying that Krishna, you send people 
because I have come with your message, you know, the poem which he wrote when he was on the Jaladuta. You, you make me dance as you want, want me to dance. I have come to spread your message, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I have come to preach about the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna. So you please send people. And almost internally, Prabhupada was deciding to go back. That it's not working in the US. So for two hours, Prabhupada intensely chanted. If we see some of those videos also of Prabhupada chanting under the Tonkin Square Park and in the photos, we can see the great intensity and devotion and the prayerful mood Prabhupada had when he was chanting under the elm tree in Tonkin Square Park. And it's mentioned that when Prabhupada opened his eyes after chanting for quite some time, he saw a huge crowd of people around him and everybody was chanting and dancing along with him. And that is what gave confidence to Prabhupada. Yes, all these people are interested in the Hare Krishna movement and the movement with Pradesh. He saw that as a sign. So it is it is said that that movement, our movement actually started under that tree in the US, in the Western countries. In fact, on 18th November 2001, on Srila Prabhupada's disappearance day, they actually commemorated Srila Prabhupada and they honored Srila Prabhupada by putting a plaque in the Tompkins Square Park, like, you know, even on the tree and even on, in the park itself, they have put a huge plaque where they have actually honored. They have recognized that this is where the Hare Krishna movement took its roots. This is where it flourished from. And the Swamiji did the Kirtan over here. They did, uh, you know, chanting of the Lord's holy names under this tree. And the whole Hare Krishna Mahamantra is there on that plaque. So imagine millions of people who go to that park, you know, to see the park or to take their morning walk. And everybody is reading that Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So that is how the movement is still flourishing by people, you know, reading that Mahamantra and people still getting inspired uh, by that story of Srila Prabhupada starting the movement under that uh, particular tree. In fact, Govinda Dasi, I was, when I was preparing for the class, I was seeing Govinda Dasi writes, who's a, you know, one of, his, one of the disciples, female disciples of Srila Prabhupada. She had written that whenever Prabhupada was in Hawaii, he used to love to take, there was a huge plumeria tree in their garden, in the temple. And Prabhupada, wherever Prabhupada would see a tree, he would love to go and sit under that tree. So his morning massage, Prabhupada would always stay under the tree. He would sit under that plumeria tree and the devotees would come and give him the mustard oil and camphor. So that was Prabhupada's morning routine even in Hawaii, whether in, even if we see in Los Angeles. Prabhupada used to love to sit in the garden under trees, among trees and there, you know, they would, the devotees would read Krishna book continuously. So we see Prabhupada's association with the trees and we see that uh, Prabhupada was very attached. Even when he was in the botanical gardens here in the morning walk, Srila Prabhupada was, you know, talking, I was reading about this morning walk with the devotees and Prabhupada was actually feeling very bad because Melbourne, like Australia generally has quite a lot of trees, which is a good thing. There's lots of greenery, lots of trees, but Prabhupada was seeing it from Shastra Chakshu, from a spiritual perspective. And he was saying that because so many living entities performs, you know, some activities, karmic activities in such a way that they have to become trees and they have to suffer for such a long time. Because once a human being goes into a tree species, it is not that they get one tree birth and they are, they are you know, tree species, uh, lifetime is over. They have to go through all the tree species which are there. There are so many types of tree species which are there and some of the trees live for thousands of years. Even today in America and you know there are many trees around the world like one tree's lifespan is thousands of years. So imagine once you finish that lifespan then you go into another tree species. So you are just stuck in that cycle of being amongst the trees only. So Prabhupada with great compassion he was speaking. 
you are saying telling the devotees in uh, the botanical garden you are saying that people who like to expose a lot who wear you know skimpy clothes they want to expose their body they want to show off their bodies they generally take birth as trees in their next lifetime and you know the greatest example which we already mentioned is naradmuni cursing manivriva and narakuvera they also were like that even though a great sage was passing by they had no sense that there's a great sage coming and they were still naked the ladies who were there quickly covered their uh, bodies with uh, sarees and all that because they felt little embarrassed and there was some shame they had in them but narakuvera and manivriva had absolutely become shameless because of drinking and because of wealth of their father so they actually did not care when naradmuni came and naradmuni said okay you are like to expose like this you are going to become trees now for thousands of years and they became the yamala arjuna trees but obviously every curse of a sage comes with a blessing so they had the power to see krishna's pastimes and they were blessed by krishna krishna delivered those two trees just to keep up naradmuni's words so prabhupad continuously had this compassion you are saying that that is why go and chant you know we should chant loudly we should sing hari naam loudly so that the trees also get the benefit all living entities get benefit but the trees also hear the mahamantra and they get delivered from that wretched birth that they have been put into so we see we have so much to learn from trees we have so much to learn from this purport which shila prabhupad has written that you know it is a shastrik injunction not to cut down trees any tree at all but especially all these trees which are serving human kind so nicely like giving fruits giving flowers giving fragrance their sap is useful for something giving lots of vegetables so such trees should definitely not be cut down because they are more pious they are pious living entities who have taken birth like that so we we as devotees we take great care when we you know learning from shila prabhupada's own example we take great care in which obviously we will not go in an axe and cut down trees unless obviously we need it for some wood or something like that for lighting fires but otherwise generally we will not cut down trees but in our own day to day lives we take that care by maybe using toilet paper less for example because that comes from trees or using tissue paper less using paper plates less not wasting papers and you know writing some faltu things or you know some wasteful things we use our notebook everything we use wooden spoons everything we use so carefully because we know this has come from trees and the more frugal we are in their consumption the more uh, you know saving of trees that we will do and whatever we do because jeevo jeevasya jeevanam we have to survive on trees we have to survive on fruits vegetables and all that so we do have to consume we do have to take from the trees but whatever we take from the trees we actually offer to the lord so that the benefit goes to the tree because when we are offering to the lord the actually that tree is getting delivered because the you know it has become whatever the tree offered has now become prashadam it has been offered to the lord the lord has actually taken taken that particular thing which was offered to them so as devotees this is something which we all can actively do uh, you know following shila prabhupada's footsteps what prabhupada is saying over here we do not want to follow in these demoniac people's footsteps who are cutting down trees unnecessarily to print volumes and volumes of books unnecessary books prabhupada says that any you know so many books are being printed in fact bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur was also very much against that he said that trees should be cut down and paper should be taken like made from trees only to produce krishna conscious literature any other literature which is printed is useless waste and we are actually incurring karma if we do that to the trees so as devotees we are extremely cautious about that fact that we do not harm the trees unnecessarily in whatever we are taking we are using, utilizing whether it's books or whether it's consumption of fruits vegetables or whatever we are utilizing it in krishna's service 
So that's the gist of today's class. We will end the class here and we'll see if there are any questions, comments, or corrections. I've got a little bit of a technical question about you mentioned the pious tree. You mentioned the pious tree. And how, how does the tree become pious? Like, the, the, you know, with the evolution of consciousness, can you, an impious person, become an impious tree? And you know, through being a tree for so long, how does the tree develop a piety? Um, so it is mentioned in the Shastras that um, you know the accumulation of karma is only in the human species of life. So only as a human being you accrue karma based on your activities and then obviously you get reactions for the karma. But in all other species of life you are just exhausting your karmas. Yeah, we are not accruing any karma because no other species of life has that intelligence to be able to decipher or discriminate between right and wrong or anything like that. And therefore in all other species of life you are just exhausting the karma which you got because of which you got that particular species. So even in the humor, like if we fall down to the aquatic species then slowly you are exhausting the karma, you are you know evolving into a four-legged animal and then you evolve probably into a cow which is like the highest species you can get as an animal and then the next birth you can get as a human being. So like that there is an evolution and therefore in terms of trees also, Prabhupada said there are different gradations of trees. So there are some which are very unevolved trees which do not experience so much of things but then there are these evolved trees like who are actually giving lots of fruits, flowers and all that and those have now become pious and then slowly they are progressing. So in, in terms of gradation and evolution of the trees that is what Srila Prabhupada did. Thank you. In fact, we see Lord Krishna also praises trees in the 10th canto when to his friends in the 22nd chapter, he is praising the trees. He is telling his friends, look at these trees, they are such, um, he is saying that, look at these greatly fortunate trees whose uh, lives are completely de dedicated for the benefit of others. Even while tolerating heat, sun, cold, wind, etc., they are keeping on serving humankind. So even Krishna has so much compassion and so much appreciation for the trees. We see him praising the trees of Vrindavan to his friends in um, the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to say that the trees themselves, they are like, so their consciousness has developed so much that they, they actually they have a goodness consciousness. So will they go into a, a good, a more pious animal's body in the next life? Or could they, because for example, they could be like more seen like in pious animals. So from a tree, could you, a good tree, a pious tree, could you turn into a pious animal? Or could you go from being a pious giving soul to all of a sudden, in that makes sense. Yeah, so the laws of karma are very difficult to understand that way, Prabhuji. So it's yeah. very difficult to tell, okay, after this word somebody yeah. will take this yeah. word and after yeah. this word somebody will take that. Because they are very subtle and very complicated and a bit difficult to understand. Because everybody does some good and bad, especially human beings. Everybody does some good and bad in their lives. So what particular birth they will get based on their good or their bad, like it's very difficult to understand the laws of karma. Only the Lord is in control of the laws of karma. But definitely when we are actually as devotees, we take the responsibility to then, you know, like I was mentioning, to offer the fruit to the Lord and then the Lord is actually consuming that particular fruit. We are using it in His service. Let's say it was used for His Abhishek. 
or something like that, the juice was used for the Abhishek, then definitely that tree is getting benefit. Or when we do loud Harinam and the trees are hearing the Hare Krishna Mantra, so that way they are definitely getting benefit and they are definitely going to evolve and you know get a birth where they will be able to continue this you know Harina Bhakti or the, the devotional seed that has been sold for them. Okay, so is it said that the tree has to go from one tree to another, to another, to another, to another? Or if for example the tree is used in the Abhishek, could it skip species? I'm thinking yes, Prabhuji. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, tree will get benefit if we use the fruits of the tree instead of the Lord. They're definitely growing this could be. <laughs> They'll exhaust their karma quickly and come to human species quicker than other trees. Thank you. So with Hiranyakashipu, Shishupal, their example, they were actually jai-vijay. 
we know that they are limited, but they are limited. And therefore, the Lord gave them the Sayyuthi Mukti, and then obviously they had to go back to their original position of being the great keepers of the Lord. But with other demoniac mentality people, since they don't want anything to do with the Lord, the Lord does not interfere in their field. He allows them to continue doing that. So that is why we see he does not give bhakti. Bhakti is something which is very rarely awarded by the Lord. He gives opulence, he gives whatever you want, but bhakti is something that he gives only to people who actually don't want anything else but, but just Krishna bhakti. Then he awards bhakti to the other living entities, but otherwise it's very difficult to get bhakti from the world. Like sometimes we have all the knowledge, we also sometimes like a blessing to God. So are we devotees or are we devotees? So it's always mixed. Uh, we are, we are, you know, every living entity, especially in the material world, we are governed by the three modes of material nature. At all the time, we think we think we are doing everything, and actually things are carried out by the three modes of material nature. So even in devotion. In the, um, I think it's in the third canto where Kapila Muni is actually explaining to his mother Devabhuti that even Bhakti can be in the mode of ignorance, mode of passion and mode of goodness. What to speak of other activities? They are definitely always in the mode of passion, ignorance and goodness. So even in Bhakti we can do that. We might sometimes go under the mode of passion. Like we see sometimes we are running late and then we are doing fast-fast services. Obviously that means you know, the mode of passion has started coming into our devotional service. Or we are envious of someone, we see, oh, someone's making better gardens or someone's doing something better than me and we start getting envious. So obviously that quality in bhakti is governed by the mode of passion and ignorance. So like that, you know, we will sometimes see we might fall into the, you know, trap to the mode of, because we are in this material world, we are under the influence of maya. So we might get sometimes subjected to material, material modes of passion and ignorance and that time we might we, we might, you know, not speak very good about the Lord or we might not speak very uh, good about the devotees, but uh, uh, the underlying principle is that we, we are still on the path of devotion. Sometimes we might deviate a little bit because of mode of passion or ignorance, but at least we are on the right path. We are, our face is turned towards the Lord and we are going towards the Lord. So the Lord definitely considers that devotion. He does not think, oh, these are demons and I don't want to um, spare them at all. Demons are ones who are going away from the Lord and their back is turned towards the Lord. Okay, we'll end the class here. Ghanshad Srimad Bhagavatam Ki.